Good morning. Good morning. Nice to see you all. Uh, I'm sorry that you all can't see all these wonderful people. I can, which is quite sweet. <coughs> uh, glad to be with you today. I'm going to talk about a little writing by Dogen Zenji uh, called Baika. Uh, and um, as is often the case, for some people there may be things that I say that are almost incomprehensible. Uh, so, you know, we're usually giving Dharma talks to people, some people who've maybe never heard a Dharma talk in their life, and then other people who've been studying and practiced the Dharma intensively for 30 or 40 years. Usually every Sunday we have that arrangement. So some of the things that get said may be like, Phew. well, that's cool. Isn't it amazing to have things fly over your head? Wonderful. Um, and then hopefully there'll be something in this talk for, for everyone. That's my aspiration. But if things are confusing, you can just let that go. So I want to just jump in and read the opening of Baika. Plum Blossoms. This begins with Dogen uh, talking about his teacher, who's often called Ru Jing, but in this case is named after his mountain name, Jiang Tong. <clears throat> My late master Chang Tong was the 30th abbot of Chang Tong Jingde Monastery, renowned Mount Taibo, Gingyuan Prefecture, Great Song, China. He ascended the Dharma seat and taught the assembly thus. And he begins quoting a poem by Ru Jing. Chantong's first phrase of midwinter. Old plum tree bent and gnarled. All at once opens one blossom, two blossoms, three, four, five blossoms, uncountable blossoms. Not proud of purity, not proud of fragrance, spreading, becoming spring. Blowing over grasses and trees, balding the head of a patch robe monk, whirling, changing into wind, wild rain, falling snow all over the earth. The old plum tree is boundless. A hard cold rubs the nostrils. Goes on, now in Dogen's words, this old plum tree is boundless. All at once its blossoms open and of itself the fruit is born. It forms spring, it forms winter, it arouses wind and wild rain. It is the head of a patro monk, it is the eyeball of an ancient Buddha. It becomes grasses and trees, it becomes pure fragrance. Its whirling, miraculous transformation has no limit. Got that all figured out. So Dogen's talking about a an old gnarled plum tree in the winter, which looks pretty dead. And uh, welcome to Session, everybody. <laughs> Might feel like you come here, and it seems like uh, maybe people look like a bunch of old dead trees. You walk into the Zen zone. Very serious. 
very serious people. Well, sometimes we take our practice seriously. Sometimes we do. And so if it, you come here and you feel like, well, this feels unfriendly, you know, I came in on Sunday and no one's talking to me. Well, that's, it's good to take care of our heart when we, when we feel like people are unfriendly, but um, this is a way of being friendly, is to make space for people to come here and just be dead trees. <laughs> just not have to figure anything out or accomplish anything or do anything. Just sit there like a whole stump. I'm practicing my stumpness. The stumpness of this body. <clears throat> and uh, come back next week. And at about 11.15 after the Dharma talk, you'll be like, these are not dead stumps. <laughs> It'll be tea time. And sounds a little more like a circus in here. <clears throat> so the various themes that arise in this um, fascicle of Dogen, which is like uh, many pages long, so I'm just reading it. I'm only talking about a tiny little part of it, but um, one big theme is, is that softening our effort uh, makes some way for something beautiful to happen. You know, uh, trees, an old plum tree in winter does not appear to be working really hard at being an old plum tree in winter. But there it is, just looking very dormant, and then something amazing and beautiful shows up. <clears throat> so, I don't know about you, I was taught if you want something amazing and beautiful to show up, you gotta figure things out, make things happen, accomplish things, be a better person. <sighs> what about just sitting still and and letting, letting things be as they are, then something really beautiful can come out of that. <clears throat> so, also in here, um, the dead, the, the plum tree, which is sometimes appears to be just a dormant tree and sometimes might be described as being dead. Uh, <laughs> we don't need to parse that too closely right now. Uh, this could be seen to represent various things. So one thing that Plum Blossom is, is clearly, is it's a piece of writing about the transmission of the Dharma. So Do Rujin gets up and he's like, I'm a dead tree. And look at how awesome it is that there are all these beautiful flowers in here. That I get to practice, I've devoted myself to practice, and then I see all these wonderful people manifesting something beautiful. He's talking to his, to his students. And then Dogen is like, well, you could say Ru Jing is dead, because he's dead by the time this was written. But is it? How dead is he? His teaching is like right here. Right here. Blossoming. In the bodies of people who are practicing. So there's this thing about transmission. Um, for those of you who like uh, Mahayana Buddhism, it seems evident that the old plum tree is something like emptiness and blossoms are like form. <clears throat> phenomena. Phenomena. And, uh, you know, it's just good to remember that 
What's the basic idea here is nothing can exist unless it is empty of separate existence. That's the basic idea that underlies Mahayana Buddhism, which is kind of weird, I know. But there it is, possibility. It's the absence of separateness is the only ground on which there's possibility. And Buddhism is about possibility. People tell you, oh, Buddhism is all about the present moment. Buddhism is about the possibility of liberation for everyone from suffering. And then also there's this theme of this sort of dead-seeming practice where we're just putting down our effort, putting down trying, putting down trying to be someone else, to find to be better, to make something else happen. Because that's where something really beautiful happens. <clears throat> and, you know, it, I need to read this because it's... Is, am I the only one who finds it hard to trust that sitting here and practicing meditation is worthwhile? I have my doubts. I'm one of the people I was like, I just get up before the bell rings and do my laundry. <laughs> what might be on Twitter right now? <laughs> Very important. Well, the mind is thinking, there must be something else. <clears throat> so... We just need some encouragement. <clears throat> so, I read a little passage here. Yes, this old plum tree is boundless. All at once its blossoms open, and of itself the fruit is born. It forms spring, it forms winter. The old plum tree is boundless. Ah, yeah, boundless. That sounds pretty free, expansive, unlimited. Is that the way it feels though when you're sitting zazen? <laughs> I hope sometimes. It's probably most likely that it's like that when you don't even notice it's like that. But our mind is grabbing onto the things we don't like. It's like, ah, I'm, I'm thinking again. Oh, that's bad. There's a pause in there you didn't even notice. It was just sound. Just what's seen in the scene, just what's felt in the felt. The fruit is born of itself. The old plum tree is boundless and the fruit is born of itself. Yeah, in the Genjo Koan, what's Dogen? No, Fukan's the Zengi. Dogen says, you should know that the true vehicle appears of itself, so from the very beginning, dullness and distraction are struck aside. The true vehicle appears of itself, everybody, so you can't go making it happen. The Mahayana, the great vehicle for liberation of everyone, is not something you make happen. It's what's happening. So the idea isn't to like 
pay attention because then you'll be good at meditating. Ah. Pay attention because this is realization right now. Buddha isn't somewhere else. The fruit is born of itself. Oh, I'm going to get a really powerful meditation experience. I don't know how well that works, everybody. I don't know how well that works. This goes on to say the old plum tree is boundless. The fruit is born of itself. It forms spring and it forms winter. It forms spring, it forms winter. Ah, beautiful, ambiguous quality of this language. Um, what is the it that forms spring and forms winter? Well, he starts, he says, the old plum tree is boundless. The fruit is born of itself. It forms spring, it forms winter. So I, I, I originally had it backwards. <laughs> I think the most obvious meaning is that the dead tree forms spring and forms winter. That is to say, the only reason anything can happen is because it's empty of separate existence. But I'm a little more interested in the fact that the plum blossom that's born of itself forms spring and it forms winter. So that immediate momentary phenomena which is like, plum blossoms, are we, is anyone else here waiting for the plum blossoms? Oh. Yeah. It forms spring. There's no spring outside of the phenomena that forms it. <clears throat> is there such a thing as a winter or a spring without the characteristics of winter and spring? This seems kind of obvious, but this has some kind of uh, interesting philosophical implications to shift the perspective from thinking that spring is some sort of absolute uh, abstract phenomenon to coming back and saying the only way we have spring is through individual particular phenomena which form it. So, I've been, I have, a, I have a new book coming out in the fall called Vasu Bandhu's Three Natures. And after I finished it, I realized it had some really cool stuff in it. <laughs> in, in the text that it's a commentary on, uh, Vasu Bandhu's Three Natures treatise has some really cool stuff. I, I almost wish I knew about it before I wrote the book, but that's just the way it is. There's some really cool stuff in there where basically he says cause and effect is an illusion. Cause and effect is an illusion. But what is real is that conditions produce appearances. Cause and effect is an illusion, but what is real is conditions produce appearances. And this may sound like, well, that just sounds like we're just playing with words. So. What are, what are we talking about? Normally, I want to be like, spring made the plum blossom bloom. Spring, spring came, so the plum blossom bloomed. <coughs> Cause and effect. 
And this is saying the plum blossom blooms and that forms spring. All the conditions form the plum blossom, but all those conditions are only there in the form of that momentary immediate phenomenon. So this may seem like, well, that kind of makes sense. You might be like, dude, you're just out there. And that's okay. Probably both are true. <clears throat> but this has real implications. <clears throat> so it makes me think of a uh, beloved friend lost somebody, uh, a death, a death. And they went to see Katagiri Roshi and said, why did this have to happen? Katagiri Roshi said, why is already extra? And the closeness of that student and that teacher was so much that that was actually a beneficial thing to do. Because I don't recommend you say that to any of your friends in a similar circumstance. And yet, with the degree of trust between those two people, it enabled the bereaved to see that the most powerful thing they could do was meet the actuality of the phenomena of their grief right now. That plum blossom. <clears throat> Not causes and effects. This momentary manifestation of conditions. <clears throat> and it's the way we meet conditions that is creating the conditions that create the world we live in. This is the, the basic idea of Buddhism, is what we do right now has impact. But I want to thank, oh, I did Zazen, so now I'll be peaceful. Cause and effect. Darn it! my friends. Sometimes I'll do zazen and I'm like grumpy or I'm tired or I'm sad. I was sitting here doing zazen last night. I was sad. Oh. Yeah. So I can be with sad. It's a flower deserving of attention and care. <clears throat> Gwendolyn Brooks used similar language. She wrote, uh, we are each other's harvest. We are each other's business. We are each other's magnitude and bond. We are each other's harvest. We are each other's business. We are each other's magnitude and bond. We're each other's harvest. Each one of us, a little flower emerging from how we're all flowering together. Our magnitude, the boundlessness. But we, we gotta find that boundlessness together. We're bound together in how we help each other find our boundlessness. And in the world right now, a lot of times we're just bound together by how we're binding each other. We can do better. So all this talk about uh, the individual phenomena forms 
the whole the spring is formed by the phenomena of the flower. This is just uh, this is your straight up flower garland avatamsaka Huayan teaching whole body uh, teaching that really influences Dogen thought, which is trying to find every possible way of thinking about how things are connected to each other to get us out of this way of thinking like cause and effect. I do this, and that will make that happen because that's what I want. Cause and effect is an objectifying way of looking at the world. You kind of try and narrow everything into a box for how we understand it and say, this is how it's all working. <clears throat> I mean, it has its utility. I mean, I'm really glad that our uh, Tenzo, uh, Jay, they're in the kitchen and they're like, if I turn on the heat, the food will be cooked. So I appreciate the commitment to cause and effect. And yet, I know there's a commitment to just contributing to the kitchen conditions of our collective liberation through cooking. I know that's also there in the kitchen. <clears throat> so, one of the main impacts of this uh, idea that um, phenomena form the whole, individual phenomena form the whole, is the way of practicing we have here that focuses on taking care of very minute things. Um, we come, to, I think in a lot, I don't know if you know this, in a lot of other meditation traditions, you don't clean for an hour every day on retreat. <laughs> really, I found that out. You're like, you do what? <laughs> we clean the house. We take care of it. When Taiga Ito came here representing Sotoshu International, I was like, you know, I hope, I hope you feel like the way we're practicing is upholding the tradition. He says, you know, as long as you practice Zazen and keep your temple clean, that's good. You know, we, we have some training in handling things with care, and putting in individual stitches into the garments we sew with our whole attention. And this might have the fantastic effect of causing you to be nice to people. It'd be like, there's a flower here. It's deserving of care. We practice. Really. <coughs> and this view that the flower produces the spring um, gives us insight into our relationship with systems. So you might think like climate change causes forest fires, which is a reasonable way to look at it. But climate change is formed by the forest fires. The flower forms the spring. This is also true for the individual experiential phenomena that we have that form climate change. Cause and effects of, oh, climate change is caused by corporate greed. This teaching says, my moment of complacency about climate change forms climate change. Also, 
It's not just that Buddha nature causes you to come into a being, that you're an effect of Buddha nature. It is in fact the case that your coming into being forms Buddha nature. It never happens without your momentary being how you are right now. It's the only way it can happen. So this teaching is trying to just help us realize, like, this moment is very valuable. You know, like, well, oh, yeah, I've, I came to a Buddhist talk before. I have, like, the Buddhist death calendar that says the present moment is valuable. <laughs> but do we live? Do we really live seeing the value of our moment-to-moment experience? of our capacity to contribute to collective liberation. I need a lot of reminders. I get very caught up in just habits. I miss what's in my heart. I miss who's in front of me. Or what's in front of me. And I was like, why? It's a flower, everybody. It's a flower. Makes me think of a line from Ginsburg. Uh, I'm making this up because I think the last time I read this was 30 years ago. But it says something like, dirty, ugly flower, but flower nonetheless. <laughs> I've had that feeling. Look in here. Jeez, look at this breast. Oh, that's a flower. <clears throat> So I found this part, I was like, ah, I don't like this. So I want to share it with you. <laughs> Maybe you won't like it either. But then it turned out I loved it. Flower, nonetheless. <clears throat> Dogen writes, my late master, old Buddha Changtang, did not easily allow monks to join his monastery. He would say, those who are accustomed to a lax way-seeking mind cannot stay in this place. He would chase them out. Everyone's included. Though the hut is small, it includes the entire world. What are you doing, Rujang? Chase them out. <clears throat> Come on. Well, I thought, wait a minute. If we're going to have a session here this weekend, we need to tell people if you're going to do session and you're going to sign up for the full day option, show up for everything. And I got one message from someone already who said, I was so wanting to bail. And I stayed. And I'm so glad. This is not a tradition that says, oh yeah, just everything's cool. That is neither the first, second, third, or fourth noble truth. <laughs> It can take some commitment to practice. And, you know, it just makes me think like I went to college and got a music degree a long time ago. 
And, uh, you know, they would have kicked me out if I didn't do the work. That's how it works. you got to get the good enough grades to stay in the program. And I almost did get kicked. That's not quite true. I didn't almost get kicked out. I almost didn't get my degree. It's a different thing. But, mm, so there was, there was demands made. Or demands isn't the right word. There were expectations. And they were high. On the other hand, I grew up in a time when we had private music lessons available to all students in my middle school. Imagine that, a culture where we actually take care of educating children really well. And we invest in it. Very cool. I'm, and of course, we're doing that to many degrees, but I feel like we could but anyway, I had that opportunity. It was great. And the thing is, I could go in there and, you know, the teacher did try and get me to practice. He had the little practice card. But when I didn't practice, you know who didn't get thrown out? This guy. Yeah. That was good, too. And I'm really lucky. I, get to, I got to have a life of making music. I still get to make music. I get to sit in this zendo. And listen to the sound of Avalokiteshvarabho, a beautiful, radiant sound of voices chanting. That's what being a musician is, learning to listen. But anyway, so there's room for there to be saying, yes, if you're going to do this, you need, we are saying either do it or don't. And there's also room for saying, just come on in. And the thing is, we've got this going on in this community. This is, what happens here is very weird. How many places do you know where people can come in who've never been here before and are invited to practice together with everyone here six or seven days a week, year round, and also train people till they get a terminal degree? That's a strange thing to do. If you haven't thought about it, it's really weird. Because uh, we have people training here to be priests and receiving Dharma transmission. There's 20 Zen centers all over the United States that have been founded by people who trained here. And yet, there's people in this building who've never been here before. How cool is that? There's room for a lot of different ways to practice. And there are people who aren't here at all because they never come on Sunday. My favorite was the guy who only came on Thursday mornings and he clearly thought the service was really not nice because he would get up as soon as the chanting started and just bolt for the door. I sat zazen with that guy for like six years. <laughs> I've never spoken to him because he was like, I'm out of here. I love that guy. If I saw him on the street, I would be like, so happy. And we have these people who take care of these altars and these flowers. Flowers from a dead tree. People engaging in this community in all different ways. Making the kinds of commitments that are meaningful to them. So I'm really grateful for the whole thing. And of course, every part of that forms the whole. Flower forms the spring. 
if you think that like, oh, I think you don't. But if I started thinking, oh, we're, we've got Buddhism going on because I'm sitting up here giving a talk. That is just dumb. <laughs> we got Buddhism here because we're flowering together. Each individual moment of consciousness you offer forms the whole. I'm just thinking about our, we've got our um, LGBTQ plus Dharma group coming up. And, uh, you know, queerness is cool because it's all different. You really see how different the flowers are. So I go in there and I'm like, well, I'm bisexual, but I've been married to, well, I've been in a monogamous relationship with my wife, Colleen, for 12 years. And no one ever says, get the hints, not queer enough, pal. That's <laughs> a group of people who are showing that people can be all different and various within what appears to be like one thing. No. People have very different experiences. They all matter. The entire world is mind ground. The entire world is blossom heart. Because the entire world is blossom heart, the entire world is plum blossoms. <laughs> because the entire world is plum blossoms, the entire world is Shakyamuni Buddha's eyeball. Here, everywhere, right now, is mountains, rivers, and earth. Everything and every moment is realization of everywhere. Well, that doesn't feel like he's feeling very alienated. I mean, I can't even follow all the connections. But it all emerges from the mind ground. <clears throat> Talk about mind ground in Buddhism. You might think uh, something about like a sort of a conventional small understanding of mind. But mind ground just means the total field of awareness. So what's heard? Is only heard as heard, right? We think there's a cause, which is a sound and an effect, which is my awareness. We're saying no. There's just heard, heardness, seenness, feltness in the body, feltness in the heart, in the emotions. <clears throat> And so, wow, the whole field of what's experienced right now, the mind ground, is blossom heart. Well, that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. Dogen can be kind of ornery. He was all like, yeah, just kick them out if they're, you know, not practicing hard enough. He's like, you, all you are is a blossom, a flower. 
Uh, Hongzhou once wrote, directly arriving here, directly arriving here, you will be able to recognize the mind-ground Dharma field that is the root source of the 10,000 forms germinating with unwithering fertility. These flowers and leaves are the whole world. Just these flowers and leaves. I don't know about you, oftentimes I'm like, these flowers and leaves are kind of boring. <laughs> Unimportant. Distasteful. Or maybe they're like, I really like them, can I hold on to them? No. <laughs> never. I know it's hard. I don't like that I can never hold on to anything. But it's possible to get a little more used to it. And then, you can just see, it just keeps generating. So I'd like to just uh, offer you a poem from uh, a Chinese nun as I close up here. This person is so associated with this poem that their name has become Plum Blossom Nun. Apparently this is like a really widely known poem in China. From long time ago, somewhere between the 7th and the 9th century. <clears throat> the entire day I searched for spring, but spring I could not find. In my straw sandals I tramped among the mountain peak clouds. Home again, smiling, I finger a sprig of fragrant plum blossom. Spring was right here on these branches in all of its glory. I'll just read it again. The entire day I searched for spring, but spring I could not find. In my straw sandals I tramped among the mountain cloud peaks. Home again, smiling. I finger a sprig of fragrant plum blossom. Spring was right here on these branches in all of its glory. So you can go for a walk, and you can come home, and spring is already here. These flowers and leaves are the entire world. Thank you. Well, I think sometimes during session we don't uh, invite Q&A or remarks, but I think that I will because that feels like the right thing to do, the best I can judge for me. So if you um, want to bring your voice into this group of people, um, if you're here, you can just speak. If you want to ask a question, that's fine, or just say something, that's cool, and you can just... Um, open up your mics if you're on Zoom. So, any words? I'll say something about blossoms. Um, for those that don't know, there's a magnolia tree in the backyard, and there's already some buds that are starting to kind of get fuzzy and large on there. So, be sure to check it out if you're not in the habit. <laughs>
on something to what Evan just said. There's things going on we can't see right now either. This time of year, tree roots are actually spreading and growing. So trees, shrubs are actually active right now. We just don't see it, but it's happening. <laughs> Trees. They they look they might look like they're not doing anything, but they got a lot going on. I think there is nothing wrong with not speaking, as evidenced by my choice of a career. <laughs> so uh, I'm really grateful that um, I've been able to be here in Sashin with the people who are doing that practice. And I'm really grateful that I've been able to spend some time this morning with those of you who have just come in more recently. And. Uh, Hope to see you all soon. I wish that you may find some kindness, some joy, some well-being, maybe some flowers. Thank you all.